You're listening to The Elephant Test. We're dedicated to the B2B marketing community and here to explore the practices, thoughts, and ideas of effective B2B marketing executives. Hi, this is Sky Cassidy and Alicia Garvalia. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us for The Elephant Test. Today, we're joined by Charlie Liang. He's an all-in-one marketer and account-based everything evangelist. He's passionate about everything marketing and loves building startups. He's a four-time Marketo champion, and he's here with us today. So, Charlie, what exactly is a Marketo champion? So, that's a great question. And thanks again, Sky and Alicia, for having me on. It's great to be on the uh, the Elephant Test. We're excited to have you. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, so Marketo Champion is basically this group of, um, you know, users that probably spend too much time on the Marketo community and really geek out about everything marketing automation and, and marketing in general. And I was fortunate enough to be in that group for four long years and had a lot of fun and, you know, met a lot of good people. So that's kind of, um, you know, the gist of what that group was. That's awesome. So you were the four-time running champ. And did that have anything to do with the fact that you worked at Marketo or is this post-Marketo? Ah, so I actually, you know, contrary, a lot of, I get that a lot actually, but contrary to popular belief, I never actually worked at Marketo, although I probably was in their (laughs) office, um, uh, you know, almost as much as uh, some people that worked there. So you stalked them, but you didn't work there. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's (laughs) what I do best. Nice. Um, so where did you start? Yeah, how did you get into B2B marketing? Like where where did this uh, come from? Yeah, I mean, you know, I honestly didn't like when you are a kid, you don't grow up thinking that, oh, I want to be a marketer, right? Like no one Either does. a fireman or a marketer. It's always one of those. And right. usually B2B. Be, so for a while I wanted to be a NBA basketball player, and that was going well until probably, you know, 7th grade when I stopped growing. Uh, no. <laughs> and so that, that dream went out the door and then I wanted to be an astronomer. Um, and you know, I was really interested in the planets. And then I think when kind of reality hit in, when I was in college, I wanted to do kind of, you know, finance. Um, but then there was a crash. I'm probably, dating myself. <laughs> you know, there was a crash. <laughs> and when I came out, Wait, which was, one, which crash, I'm not gonna <laughs> You know, the great crash, 1920s. Uh, <laughs> on the next episode of the Elf Test, which crash it was. Um, yeah. After Alicia but, uh, has talked to you and figured out, out what you're Exactly. <laughs> I came out and then there's, you know, it's impossible to get a job if you're in finance. And then after probably 40 interviews, um, I got a temp job at, um, at Google. You know, that wasn't a marketing job. But then after that, I, I went to a different company um, and that's where I learned kind of how to, how to do marketing. And it was, it was actually an Eloqua shop. And, you know, the, you know, my boss at the time was a, like, you know, the eloquent version of the Marketo champion. He was just super knowledgeable, taught me everything I I know about kind of, you know, marketing automation. And then it kind of just, you know, um, snowballed from there. So that's kind of how I got started. You just kind of picked up the skills along the way and found yourself a niche. Yeah, I think so. Right. I mean, I was lucky enough to have a great mentor uh, who showed me the ropes. And I think, um, some people have the brain for it. Some people don't. I'm, I'm kind of lucky to have a brain for kind of, you know, marketing automation. And I think the way that Eloqua, like for those of you use that, for those of you that use Eloqua, the way it lays out, it's kind of like a, like a visual flow chart format. And I think scheduling campaigns and doing campaigns that way really like lowered the difficulty of how to learn marketing. Because like, like when you, when you see it like that, it's like send email, you know, wait, five days, 
um, you know, change this data value and then update Salesforce. So like that was like, it made it really easy for, um, you know, to learn. So yeah. yeah I feel I think- like I wish I had learned that way. <laughs> it would have been a lot easier. <laughs> So it's uh, Marketo. I don't want to get too much. Uh, make this a, an hour of picking Charlie, uh, Charlie's brain on Marketo. But is that something <laughs> that you still uh, you still use uh, a lot today? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so at Engageo, there's a lot of Marketo DNA. Um, a lot of the you know, like literally the people that built Marketo are are you know work at Engageo. So Marketo is you know very much a tool that's a core part of our infrastructure as well. Um, these days, we use it more for like general, you know, demand gen type, um, you know, tactics when we want like to get a specific CMO of like a fortune 500 company, we, we don't use Marketo, but for kind of, um, you know, all of our other accounts, uh, we do use Marketo and it's great for nurturing and database management and things like that. So yes, that is part of our stack. I guess as long as we're on the subject, uh, any other particular elements to you guys tech stack that you, uh, find really useful people might want to look into out there? Well, yeah. So, I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're very data driven as a, as a company. Um, so like Engageo helps surface the data. And so we take our data very seriously. So we actually use a bunch of data vendors, you know, I'll name a couple of, you know, we use a lot more, but you know, we use uh lead space for our account data, you know, reach force. We have, uh, you know, uh, Everstream for predictive. We have zoom info, for contact information. Uh, I know you guys are a great data provider. We use Datanize. I was going to say, <clears throat> mountaintop data. <laughs> uh, yeah. so we use a lot of data providers. I probably should stop there. <laughs> yeah. On, yeah. On the data side, I, I didn't mean specifically data, but on the data side, we always tell people, you if yeah. you have one data provider, you're in trouble. You should have as many providers as you can find that can give you what you need. But other like other technologies, I mean, a lot of offices use, um, you know, you just use Slack for internal office communication. Is there anything else that you find particularly useful in your marketing stack for, you know, for your the, the marketing in general? Yeah, we like Uberflip to surface all of our content. Um, our marketing team actually works in email and Slack. Uh, we have a design. We use an on de- on design on demand. I can't say it, you know, even one time in a row. I on demand design service called. Sketch deck, that's kind of, uh, you know, they help us with, with, you know, all of our content that comes out. Um, and then we have a, a bunch of different, you know, kind of targeting, you know, advertising kind of methods that work really well, um, in both kind of demand and, and ABM tactics, you know, such as LinkedIn, Twitter. We even tried Snapchat for a little bit. Uh, and then we also do, you know, ad retargeting. We also use ABM retargeting, uh, tool called Listen Loop. So yeah, so we, we tend to try a lot of different things. Um, you know, like one of the uh, the newer things we're testing out is live chat on our site via a company called Drift. They tend to, you know, mm-hmm. it's working okay, and it's it's pretty cool because you get to kind of, um, you know, program responses. It's 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 almost like marketing automation, but in live chat. So it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's like a bot. We actually were talking to someone about that recently with the yeah, um, chat yeah. bots. And um, are you guys using strictly a chat bot, or are you guys using a mix of the automated responses plus, um, you know, a, a live person on the other end? Uh, it, it's a mix, right? So it depends on, on the, you know, the person's responses. They respond right. a certain way, like a live person, uh, will just pop on there. So yeah, so we're testing that out right now. That's nice. Yeah. Everything we've heard about that, that's a pretty, uh, everybody seems to really like that. I think the customers like it, the companies like it. It just, uh, that seems to be a great way to go for, for the live chat. While we're on tech stack, I don't want to stay here too long. Do you have any like, um, epiphany, 
uh, tools. I, I know um, I'm not a designer, and now we have a graphic designer on the team, but before we did that, um, I found Canva, which was just absolutely fantastic and opened my world up to um, design for someone who does not know how to use Photoshop at all. Is that a technical so- term, an epiphany tool? I hadn't... <laughs> I hope I'm not looking uh, <laughs> looking silly here, but I. So, do you have anything like that? Tiffany, <laughs> and, and they're, they're like kind oh, of really? pre Marketo. Actually, actually, John was at was was our CEO right now. He, I think, he was the VP of marketing at Epiphany. So, funny that you mentioned. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> nice. Um, so, to answer your do you question, have anything that makes it really awesome? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. It's all in the name. It's all in the name. Right. I mean, I think I think it's like marketing is a combination of like. For as much as people talk about like, you know, virality or that game changer thing, I think of it as kind of the opposite. Like it's a bunch of like small things that add together and become this really awesome thing. Right. So I I don't, I wouldn't look at like any one tool in our stack, you know, maybe um, other than Engageo, of course, (laughs) that's kind of like a game changer, but like around certain things, like you got to have a number of tools that accomplish, you know, a number of different things. It's kind of like a kitchen. If you're trying to prepare a seven course awesome gourmet meal, you can't rely on one tool to do that, right? But like, uh, you know, certain tools play a bigger part than others. Yeah, I guess I, I mean, I like to tell two different things. I've never lumped them together much, but we're all, you're always looking for kind of a secret fishing hole in marketing. You're always looking for that loophole that's going to get you, um, you know, something that not everybody has access to. But on the other side, the standard part of marketing is just kind of erosion. It's a, a matter of doing a lot, constant pressure, constantly getting your message out there. Um, and Why do you think all of Engageo's stuff is sea-themed? Sea-themed? Yeah, they're eroding. Oh, ocean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're they're oh, eroding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we actually, yeah, I mean, you know, we the reason that we're, we're our, our thing is a whale is that we help you, you know, land whales. So there's, there's a, like, trust me, all of our offices internally here, um, you know, believe it or not, like we like music and we like sea theme stuff. So we, we try to, you know, combine both of them, you know, together. And, and then, so we have like, you know, conference room that are both aquatic and also sea theme. Like our boardroom is called Van Whalen. And then we have like, <laughs> biscuit, and then we have like seaweed Dion and then, you know, the list kind of goes on. So we take it pretty seriously. So if you guys have a little mermaid party, can I please come and play Ariel? Just like really <laughs> want to. Yay. You're you're welcome to play Ariel anytime. So you guys are I, serious I about themes. Yeah. Music, so we're all good. <laughs> you have a, like a Halloween rule where you have to have a, a sea themed costume. Sea themed costume. <laughs> you know what? I, I think you know. Last year, someone actually made uh, a, a a a costume out of Geo the whale. We had a costume contest, and she of course took down the costume contest. It's not a rule, but it does. It definitely you know. Uh, it does favor. It helps. Yeah, it helps. Exactly, absolutely right. If you want the prize, I mean, <laughs> you don't have to be sea theme, but uh, you also don't have to win, so it's fine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you are very strongly correlated. I want to make sure we get kind of to the main subject that we that we want to cover today, which is you know your guys' uh, area of expertise over there, account based marketing. Um, so I want to jump into that. I guess, can you give us, I mean, some people listening might be very experienced at it and some people might be just kind of learning about it. Um, can you give a little bit of an overview of account-based marketing and then kind of what you guys are doing, what's going on in general out there? Sure. I mean, account-based marketing in a sense, you know, I, I hate to use the, the, the words in the, you know, in the definition, but it's basically um, 
you know, looking at accounts first when you're thinking about your marketing strategy, right? Like before, uh, and maybe this was kind of, um, facilitated by marketing automation, but before it was all leads and people, right? Like mm-hmm. instead of, instead of doing that, you're looking at accounts first and holistically and then developing a strategy to, you know, to get a goal at an account. So is it kind of a reaction? So you had the, uh, the marketing automation was kind of the, the glam rock bands and now you have grunge coming in with account based marketing <laughs> as a, uh, a counter to it. Yeah, I think I think it's a little bit of a changing of a of a of a yeah, but that's a, that's a good way of putting it, right? So, um I mean and and you know, I think like the lead-based stuff works, but then you're talking to each person as its own person versus like actually using what you learn, you know, talking with one person and you know, personalizing your approach to another person at the company. Like if I look at buying centers, most companies have five to seven people involved in a purchase of a technology or a tool. So why would you talk to each one of those person, you know, people different, you know, the same, you want to talk to them differently because they all have different, you know, pain points. They're all, you know, might be at a different stage, um, you know, in, in terms of seniority, they're, they're using different tools. They're, they're all different and, and, and they're connected with different people. So why would you say the same thing to everyone? And I think that's where account-based marketing um, you know, really hit home with a lot of, um, you know, companies and it made sense. Right. And I think it also, the other, you know, benefit to account-based marketing is that it aligns, um, you know, people more closely with sales, right? Because sales has been, you know, doing account-based strategies for a while, but marketing has, has been, you know, a little bit lagging behind. I think they're, they're finally catching up there and sales is, is giving kind of, you know, marketing more, love as well because they're finally aligned around the same accounts and and they're targeting them together and, and you know developing game plans to get specific goals at those accounts whether it's to you know grow the business at those accounts or to land them initially as a a net new customer right so that's that's why I think account based marketing is is um is 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 hot right now and I also think it's here to stay because you know it's there's been a lot of stats out there that have proven that it's you know been effective yeah, I mean, I do think it's really interesting that the timing of account-based marketing, like you were saying that marketing has been kind of lagging behind, and, and I, I definitely agree on that. But I also think that we just haven't had the technology in order to do that, in order to kind of be personalized. And I know that uh, one of the biggest problems that uh, B2B marketers or B2B buyers really feel is that they're not being marketed to in a way that they feel special. Like that's kind of a funny way of putting it, but, but they don't feel like we're really, we know what they need and we're fulfilling that. They're a piece of meat. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just like, Oh, you just want my, my budget. That's it. You know? Yeah. I think that's a good way. I mean, I mean, you know, like the reason ABM is effective is because it keeps raising the bar, right? The bar is getting higher. So if you're below the bar, no one's going to respond. And I think marketers, right. your guys' point, marketers are the toughest critics of themselves because it's their profession. It's like, uh, it's like an NBA basketball player watching another NBA basketball player. Like they're the, you know, like they're the harshest critics because they know what it takes to do really good marketing. And, and, you know, right. I, think, I think you're seeing, I think you're seeing some of that, but I think even outside, you know, other, other industries and other personas, um, even if you're in it, if you're a CFO, like whoever, you know, you are on the buyer side, like people, salespeople and marketing people are getting more sophisticated you you have to continually reinvent yourself and try approaches 
um, you know, that are rare. Like I look at direct mail, a reason why it's, it's, you know, kind of coming back in terms of popularity is because it's hard. Not a lot of people can do it and even less people can do it well, but because yeah. it's so rare of a tactic, it's been more effective. And that's why the response rates are, are, are kind of through, through the roof. So ABM is all about kind of doing rarer things and, and, and raising the bar so that your messaging and, and, and your voice is heard at your customers and your potential, oh. potential customers and prospects. I wonder if uh, direct mail actually, I mean, I, I totally agree with you. I don't mean to contradict you at all, but I wonder if another reason why people um, are responding to direct mail well is that it actually is tangible and we don't have hardly anything tangible anymore. Everything is digital. And so I wonder if just that in and of itself being such a different medium. So the the anti-email. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's an interesting call out. I mean, um, we actually did a test. We were, you know, one of our direct mail campaigns, our, our, you know, our first kind of major one was that we, we have this, um, you know, wonderful clear and complete guide to account based marketing. It's 140 pages and we were mm-hmm. mailing it to our prospects at cold target accounts to try to get a, to, you know, just really try to get their attention and, and try to follow up on it to, to set a meeting. And you were physically mailing it or emailing it? Cause that thing, we have a copy of that and it's a, it takes a whole conference table up. It takes a whole conference table. <laughs> We were physically huh? mailing it to a select group of target accounts. Um, that shows some dedication there, yeah. yeah. They're pretty heavy. They're not, you know, super cheap to produce. Um, we actually ate tested <laughs> loading it onto an Amazon Kindle and also mailing a physical hard copy of the books, you know, themselves. And actually, the physical hard copy got a slightly better response rate, albeit not, you know, than the Kindle. But they got a slightly best, you know, better response rate over the Amazon Kindle and. You know, everybody internally thought the Amazon Kindle would do a little bit better. So I think there is something to say. I mean, almost the novelty effect. We look at a lot of things. It's like exactly. you said something earlier that made me think marketers have gotten kind of lazy, all the technologies. And uh, so it's showing effort. I mean, one of the things ABM does is it shows, it shows effort. It says, hey, look, we're going to do a physical mailer. That takes more effort and it separates. So it separates us from everyone that can really easily get in front of you now. Yeah. Um, so I feel like if you were to just do a video of yourself doing a bunch of push ups and holding a, a copy of today's newspaper, <laughs> you know, you'd get a better response just by saying, look, I'm, I'm real and I put out some effort versus all the other messages you see. Yeah. So I guess ABM yeah. kind of grabs onto that. I think it's effort and also like, I mean, at the same time, I think it's effort and also, thinking about the buyer, like there has to be something in it for them too. I mean, they're, they're humans after all, right? Like, so if you can be entertained and relevance, yeah, it's effort and relevance too, which is, I guess, really important. (laughs) Yeah. If you can be entertaining at the same time, that's going to, you know, that that's a trifactor right there. Right. Yeah. I I still think that's such an interesting example that the Kindle didn't work as well as the hard copy of the book. I mean, I, I would have automatically assumed what the rest of your staff assumed in that. I would Kindle want both so I could be impressed by the large printout <laughs> and then still have the it on the Kindle to read. That's true. I, it is uh, a very impressive <laughs> uh, link. I got you. <laughs> oh, you said something else earlier about um, lead gen and how ABM – I'd always thought of it, I guess, as a lead generation technique. But you made me think uh, something that I hadn't thought much of before. But when you do ABM, are you pushing it – to generate leads for sales or does it go beyond when the lead is, is generated and handed off to sales? Does the ABM mm. continue there? Yeah. So, uh, long story short, yes, we, uh, it's a semantic thing, but we, we don't like, we don't use lead gen. We just say kind of, um, you know, uh, you know, 
getting engagement or getting awareness, you know, just because leads sometimes it's confusing because it, it, it could be referring to people and, and, and that's kind of more marketing automation. Um, right. Yes. So the answer is yes. Like we have different campaigns um, and that's all part of our cohesive ABM strategy, right? Like, so we have campaigns and strategies to get people to be even aware of us in the first place. And, you know, that's where kind of account-based ads has the most kind of splash. We do some events that we know a lot of our target accounts are going to be at. We do our, our fair share of, you know, email marketing as well as, you know, um, SDR phone dialing. So we have strategies there. And then even after, you know, your question was, you know, do you still support your sales team even after they open up a, you know, an opportunity or, or even at that, after that first meeting? And the answer is absolutely yes. Um, because, you know, if you look at your funnel, a lot of the times, if you look at, you know, different people's funnels, deals don't get stuck between a you know aware and that first meeting or or you know marketing qualified account they get stuck sometimes in the open pipeline right that's why you see you know some of the especially like more enterprise you go sometimes you see deal cycles north of one year sometimes even two years right like that's not uncommon right right, right. And, you know like it, it's it's wrong to just have sales just you know go at it alone right like you still should be doing events you know maybe local you know dinners or maybe happy hours, or maybe even an executive going on site to a target account to run a workshop. Um, and also, you know, keeping the account warm with ads and, and good content uh, and relevant content so that they can progress through the funnel faster. Because the more you can save your sales, you know, people's time and, and, and help them convert their open opportunities faster. Well, guess what? That time is going to be spent selling to other accounts. So it's it's really a good thing to do is to support your sales team even during the open. So it's it's really integrating the sales and marketing team, I guess, when you're not just generating a lead, handing it off, but you're you're assisting throughout the sales cycle, right? All right, not your, but account based marketing. I'm calling you guys the same thing now. You and account based marketing are the same thing. Um, <laughs> it's, it's assisting the salespeople throughout. That's uh, you know. I'm not too embarrassed to admit here in front of everybody that I hadn't really thought of it that way. I thought of it as a lead generation technique more. Something that we're doing right now and and playing with um, as we're actually in the middle of relaunching our ABM program is uh, triggered. uh, So once it gets handed off to sales, that then we basically are giving them a list of plays that we can do when they would like us to. So it's triggered, whether it's, uh, you know, a direct mail piece or sending them some specific content or kind of something a little more personal, things like that. That's something that we're definitely starting here because we don't want to be too, too much with, along with our awareness campaigns that we're going to continue now. That's awesome. That's awesome. So I know a lot, I mean, a lot of the tools allow account-based marketing to be used across all kinds of companies now that are all kinds of product types and not the companies you're selling to, but the, what, what you're selling to them. I've always had the feeling that it's, it's kind of, um, it's better suited for larger accounts, kind of larger size deal size, uh, products. Do you guys, I mean, do you look at account-based marketing as, uh, kind of segmenting out? Here's the people you account-based market to, and here's the people you don't, or is it something that you kind of work across the board? Yeah, absolutely. We, we, um, I, I wish there were something I could say that we, we worked across the board. Um, but honestly, like it, it, it doesn't like we would probably have to have an army of sales and marketing people to be able to do that just because account based marketing, because it's harder, because you're doing more personalized stuff, it requires more, 
um, you know, resources, both on, on the people side as well as the program, you know, dollar side to be able to pull off, right? So if you have a limited amount of resources, then naturally you're going to not be able to do it to anyone. Oh, sorry, everyone, not hopefully not anyone, but um, you're not going to be able to do it to everyone. And therefore you have to prioritize how much of, you know, how much ABM are you going to do to, you know, what accounts, right? So, you know, right. there's a lot to be said about, you know, figuring out your entitlement and entitlement being the term for what an account is entitled to um, based off of their perceived deal size. So I'll give an example. Right? If, if you think an account is going to, you know, um, pay you 500K over their, uh, the lifespan of the deal, um, then you're going to be more willing to do, um, you know, cool stuff, uh, for the lack of a better word to, to that account than an account that might pay you only 20 K through the lifetime because they're going to generate more. And so even if you spend more, it's still going to be a better ROI, right? So you have to figure out right. what your ACBs at the accounts are and work backwards from that and figure out what is the appropriate amount of both time and resources that you're willing to dedicate to each account and also what the cutoff is, right? Like if you have a portion of your accounts that are paying you $3,000 over the lifetime uh, and a, another portion that average above 25K, then you know maybe that's your cutoff, right? Like maybe you don't do ABM to the ones under 25K and maybe you do ABM to the ones over uh, and then you have two different program sets, right? And a lot of the, your demand gen programs can also be slightly modified or personalized to be ABM. Like it's not like you have to come up with two very distinct set of programs. Right. So I guess that's the first, I mean, I, I guess I'd ask, pose it as a question. Is that the first thing that people really need to look at when they're looking at ABM is kind of what's my lifetime value for different groups of, of customers and then, and then figure out from there, okay, now how much, you know, let me pick a segment of these customers and, uh, and figure out how much investment can be put into ABM with that, would that be a first step? That is the first step. Yeah, I, absolutely. I think. You know, yeah, yeah, I nailed it. <laughs> you nailed it. That's it. Mic drop. <laughs> Excellent. Data so, step in good ABM. Absolutely. So you talked about companies doing this with limited resources. And aside from uh, scaling down how many accounts you're doing it for, um, do you have any other tips for the small business marketer? Well, so a couple of things, right? Like I've seen companies kind of what I like to call analysis paralysis on ABM uh, and yeah. they're, they're kind of studying it and they, they're kind of like, it seems overwhelming. It seems like a lot and everyone's saying kind of different things. Um, I've definitely never been guilty of that. Well, yeah. We all are <laughs> to some extent, but I think, you know, your mileage may vary, right? So like a lot of the times, like you're looking, you know, you might be looking at a, a like, let's say you're trying to hike up a mountain right? Like it, it might look really daunting and like you're trying to figure out, well, should I enter from here? Should I take this trail? A lot of times you start going and you're like, oh, this isn't too bad. And then, and then, you know, and then you just kind of figure it out as you go along. So ABM is kind of like that. Like, yes, the foundations are very important. You have to have good data. You have to think about your, you know, your target account selection, but at the same time, especially if you're a small company, like you don't have all, you, know, you don't have an army of you know, um, analysts to be able to figure that out. So you just kind of have to draw a line in the sand and then just continually iterate on, on ABM. The second thing that I see is that people don't have a lot of resources, which is pretty natural, right? So ABM 
isn't just for large companies. It's for companies selling to large companies. So there's a big difference there, right? A, a lot of like small companies, they have actually large, large deal sizes. So in that sense, right. maybe it makes a lot of a lot of sense. So it's more ideal for a company with a large, you know, the average sale is large than a really large company that sells, you know, small products kind oh, of. Absolutely. Yeah. Like if you're Johnson and Johnson, you probably don't need to do that much ABM because you're selling, you know, lotion to the consumer. Right. But you got a Super Bowl commercial. Yeah. Or a Super Bowl. Well, though, if Johnson and Johnson is trying to get into a new chain, though, that might be when they start. Exactly. So the vision of Johnson and Johnson that might close, you know, like deals with Costco, for example, to Mm -hmm. resell their stuff that might you might need ABM there. Right. So like that's kind of the distinction. But absolutely in general, like it's not about how big your company is or how big your team is for that extent. Um, it's about how big your average, um, you know, lifetime value of your deals are. And then you're saying, and just getting started, like pick a dozen companies and start kind just of, if nothing else. <laughs> I have a question. Um, you know, you're talking about depending on how valuable a deal is in the company. Do you have any good estimation or idea about what percentage? So, you know, if you're willing to invest, Five percent of what this deal size could be, which I mean, that seems very—I don't know how—I don't know—that seems high to me. But if you're willing to invest like five uh, percent of what this deal could be into this account, and then see, you know, the ninety-five percent return, do you have? Any yeah, I guess is there a starting point for ABM? Yeah. Is there like our our average deal size is this large, so right. we should do ABM versus? No, I was thinking that's a different question. Oh, either one I'm of the thinking, questions. Whatever you want to I'm answer, Charlie. That, like, if you know you have a ten thousand dollars size deal, I don't think you're that far. You know. um, I, I don't think you're that far, Alicia. I think I think I think five percent is pretty. Like, if I, I I never actually assigned a percentage, but if I think about our entitlements and our average deal size, five percent is like pretty close, right? Um, so do you spend five percent on each individual account, or is it five percent kind of on each individual oh. account? Yeah. So, like, okay. let's say your average deal size is twenty k. Five percent of that is one k, right? So, like, right. over the lifetime, you know, like maybe your annual budget to that one account is one k, right? If your right. average deal size is twenty k, right? And 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 that includes like you know inviting them to dinner, sending them direct mail, you know, showing them ads, you know, creating content, like every it's all right. in, right? But, but I think that's about right because if you think about it. Let's say your your gross margin, you know, a, a lot of SaaS companies' gross margin is about sixty percent. So they'll make fourteen k off that twenty k, and then you know, like if you if you do if you do it that way, it's like it, it kind of makes sense. And then if you figure out your kind of you know your 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 other costs, you know, to support and software, it, like it, it gets pretty close. Like net net is like you don't want to lose money um, unless you are you know in a like hyper growth stage. Um, but like you want to do that equation, right? So I think uh, actually 5% is like, you might've been, you might've coined something here. 5% is not a a bad rule of thumb. Started here. Yeah. 5%. Uh, you know, Alicia Garavaglia said this, you can (laughs) quote me if you want. It's the 5% rule. We'll put it on a motivational poster for that. Yeah. Talk about why, why 5%. I'm happy. Well, uh, how about I play, I write a, blog post with you since you have more credibility in this and then or you can make me write it that's (laughs) that's fine yeah exactly so that's just write it you just need to put your name on the cost per lead basically is (laughs) okay so ghost write it for you right you you can have the credit (laughs) anyway so i mean everybody loves account-based marketing right now but i get the feeling there's got to be some 
some things in it that either people are doing or talking about or directions are taking it that you're not terribly in love with. Uh, so the question would be, is there anything in account-based marketing going on that, that you would like to see go away or that doesn't – you aren't terribly in love that with? That doesn't belong here. Yeah. <laughs> I actually think that um, – so this is kind of uh, – this might sound a little bit weird. But I actually think hey. that it's too hyped up right now and that the hype every, – so the problem with like hype is you know is that like everyone's saying uh, everyone has their own interpretation of ABM and of course they're going to position it in a way where their solution you know makes the most sense right so right. so are we in an ABM bubble right now the, I don't think the bubble is going to pop but I think it's definitely going to cool a little bit and and there's going to be a little bit of pullback pullback but like I think that ABM could be like it's kind of confusing the market. So I'd, I'd almost see a little bit of, like, I'd want to see a little bit pullback of, of ABM and, and, and maybe AI is the next hot word. And that way you can actually so. start seeing some results from ABM. And then people that are actually mm-hmm. doing it kind of understand what ABM is, but there's, there's a million vendors saying, you know, a million different things. And, you know, obviously we're a vendor as well. So we're, we're contributing right. to the problem, but like follow like two or three vendors that you trust or, or thought leaders and just, just, just run what they're like, just run what they're saying. Right. And then just ignore kind of all the rest. If you listen to everyone's interpretation of ABM, like you're going to be pulled a you know, a thousand different ways. And guys listening, I do think that Engageo, I mean, Engageo is certainly that for us. I consume way too much of Engageo's content. So, and I'm not uh, an ABM expert as you can see if you've been listening. Uh, but I do think that Engageo is one of those vendors who really know what they're talking about in terms of ABM and then also provides some really quality content that I can be like, okay, this is my measuring stick. And, and then kind of according to everyone else, like, you, no, Engageo says this. So I think you're crazy <laughs> you know, kind of ideas. So. Yeah. Charlie, you guys put out a lot of content. And it's uh, good stuff too. So kudos for that. I mean, uh, yeah, seriously. we see a lot of content that's kind of fluff, but you guys put out some, some useful stuff. So mm-hmm. thank you. And anybody listening, if you're not looking at it, yeah, yeah, go check out our blog. I mean, and, and like, honestly, like content like this, I mean, I mean, you guys do a great job as well, but I think like we understand that like at the end of the day, we want our, our, we want the ABM community to succeed, right? Because when everyone succeeds, then that's how the space becomes bigger, right? So we try to put out stuff that's really helpful. Um, and, and, you know, that's not actually, frankly, you know, not that salesy. So I, I think that's like ABM content. Like as you're creating ABM content for your buyers, don't think about your product first. Think about what pain points your, your buyers have and try to help solve that for them and naturally your product is going to come along for the right. Like when you can build trust, that's more important than getting people to see what your product does. So like, think about that as you're creating content. I think that's a really good tip. I love that. Um, especially starting. Cause I, cause I know that even here we were kind of, as we were stepping into the ABM, we we're like, okay, it's this personalization. Like how personal do we get? And we're still kind of walking that line of, you know, we obviously want to be personal on the company side of like, what do you need and what can we get for you? But we, but then also how personal do you get like on the creep side? That's like, Hey, yeah. we've been stalking you. And your and dog spot know. said you should talk right. to us. <laughs> yeah. I kind of think so, but, but He's I love that. Yeah. So I do love the idea of starting with their needs. And and that can vary because sometimes I do feel like, you know, especially depending on what 
who you're targeting, what, what position you're targeting, because I know that if you're really targeting someone a little bit further down, maybe their goal is really just the next promotion or maybe like, and that is what their need is. And that's on a personal level, not so much on, you know, what they're doing for the company level. But if you can frame it, that's like, Hey, you're going to be more valuable to the company by doing this. And you're going to have more time by doing this, whatever it is, then that is getting them what they need. So if you're starting at that need, it kind of starts with something more valuable. Perfect. I like that. That's exactly right. Yep. Absolutely. So I've got an out of the box question here for you, Charlie. On uh, oh, we like to ask I've been out people. Of the box. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of oh no! I mean, I just took it out of the box. So I, I guess <laughs> okay. I, that sounded wrong. I don't mean it's a, a question that you're not ready for. This is one that uh, this is a standard question. Uh, <laughs> so there's the old uh, old thing of asking people what superpower they'd like. We like to ask people what marketing superpower. If they could have one marketing superpower. What would your marketing superpower be? Wow! So I'll put you on the spot with that I'm one. On the spot? No, I think the the stuff we're all trying to chase, like it's one to one to everybody, right? Like that's mm-hmm. really if you can do that, that's like that would be a marketer's like you know hitting the lottery, right? Like like if if you can so think about it, like you're driving on a highway and you see billboards and all the billboards like. If you look at a billboard, it is like what you're thinking about. Like it anticipates maybe you, um, your, you know, your mom's birthday is in three days and it will say, Hey, you know, your, your mom's birthday is in three days. We know the last time you guys had, had lunch. Um, you know, she was thinking about taking a, I don't know, a, a cruise to Mexico. And so they'll say, Hey, look, we're running a special promotion on cruises. Wouldn't it be nice? If you and your, you know, your mother went on that cruise, like if you could see that on a billboard, that's what I'm talking about. Like if I had a marketing superpower, it, it, it'd be, it'd be the ability to do that. Um, and I think once we can get to that level, like, you know, marketing is going to run everything. That's creepy. So you basically want to be omniscient. Is that right? right. Like an omniscient. Okay. I think one of the X-Men can do that. <laughs> but, uh, so uh, don't give away too much, but are you basically saying that Engageo is going to start getting into augmented reality? Because uh, I've been thinking about that. And once you have augmented reality, you don't need anything on the billboards. Just everybody really sees their own message. We're, anyway, we're probably yeah. a few years away from that right now. I'll have to talk to John to kind of uh, understand where he's thinking, but we're not, we're not, um, that's not on the near term roadmap. <laughs> Although that'd be awesome. I thought that Pokemon game was going to launch a lot more augmented reality kind of marketing because just being able to overlay individually catered messages to everyone that's the, you know that's in your augmented reality. That's true. Um, but haven't seen it yet. You have I don't to know. Get them onto the anyway. That's yeah. a whole other ball of wax. My superpower <laughs> would be to clone myself. I want to be paid twice, and I want to have time to do all of my work that I don't have time to do, and then go home, and the clone would just evaporate back into me. So I would get both <laughs> salaries, twice as much time, and then go home and just be me. Like oh, you that. want to get paid for both? I want, yeah, that's wow, why I want wow. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll never yeah, be alone in, in that case. Like, you'll, you'll always have a buddy, right? Like, if you go on hikes, mm-hmm. like you, you'll never get lost. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, I joke with people that I have an imaginary friend at work that gives me advice that's better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> There's, I have an imaginary friend that's smarter than I am. That's all I want. Awesome. Instead of getting Sky a birthday cake, we got his imaginary friend a birthday okay, cake. Yeah, an imaginary cake. That was really <laughs> nice of you guys. That's awesome. Uh, we'll talk about that more on the next episode, yeah? 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. <for> sure. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe. That's my, that's private. So are there any books that you would recommend for people maybe who are just uh, – actually, maybe two levels if you have it. People who are just starting to figure this out and then people who are really experts. Like where do we go to kind of up our game? Wow. Yeah, that's um, – so I I have to say um, I don't read a ton of books. Um, I Sorry. It's not that I don't read. I just don't read like books because I think like it's almost like watching for me it's like watching um, a movie versus watching you know TV shows I, I I prefer kind of uh smaller pieces of content that are more pointed to kind of what's top of mind so like I spend a lot of time on like places like Quora I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn I read a lot of articles um I I, I read a lot of you know like you know I'll go to cmo.com I'll read articles on that. And of course, if I have kind of a question, a specific thing, I'll just ask Google and Google will tell me kind of, you know, um, some literature there. But if I want to, I did. Yeah, let across, me make a correction. Just resources. It doesn't need to be books, gotcha, but just gotcha, resources gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. in general. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I would say those resources are good. And, you know, I, I do follow um, some influencers on, on Twitter, you know, Ann Hanley, I think, you know, Jill Rowley, um, you know, we've got like follow the thought read thought leaders that you admire and see kind of what they're talking about. And that's generally probably 80% of the content that I consume. And I'll, I'll even engage with the content and it'll inspire me to create, you know, my own content. So I think, I think that's kind of the majority. And I also spend kind of, um, this has nothing to do with resources or books, but I've found that, you know, nothing inspires creativity more than a nice like jog or exercise session. Right. So just like, I like mm. to jog at night just, you know, by myself. And I just think about, I force myself to think about marketing things and like what we could do better. And I like, you'll be surprised at, at, you know, like some of the thoughts you get and like, make sure you write them all down and then, and then you can execute. Absolutely. Yeah. I find I, I will listen to audiobooks and podcasts on marketing while I'm jogging and huh. I inevitably get a little bit into it. And then I'm like, well, now I have to stop and I have to record a note about something. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, because <laughs> it's like, okay, that was, the, oh no, I do have old recordings of myself panting, <laughs> <laughs> trying to like get an idea down. <laughs> We're Siri at when you do yeah. most. Yeah. Oh no, that's, yeah. You hold down the button. You say, take a note. You get your note down, panting, and then uh, back to the book. Yeah. Back but to whatever really you're listening to. I really do love this idea of finding people who are smarter than you in the in any in, in industry really, and then following them and, and seeing what kind of resources they use and what they're reading, and that I think is, I mean, a book is great, and maybe that's where you start to find some places. Is those authors are maybe um, you got to be fast with to. books. I've got books but, that I got, and before I got to them, by the time I was looking at them, I was like, this mm-hmm. isn't relevant anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like something Google changed something, and now this doesn't work anymore. <laughs> but I do love the idea of just like that. That seems like an endless resource that it's doing a bunch of curation for you, so you don't have to go out and find all these things. They just basically are bringing you great resources, which is awesome. So, thanks for the tip. No, absolutely. Yeah, just make sure they're real people that are smarter than you because my imaginary friend that's supposed to be smarter than me, not panning out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. He asked me, he's like, what if I had an imaginary friend who uh, could solve problems and I could ask them? And I was like, this guy, it's not imaginary. It's me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> and there's two of them. 
Exactly. Yeah. There's two. <laughs> She's clone. Oh, yep. I think my superpower would actually be a memory because I had one that I liked and I forgot what it was. So <laughs> I think I just need a regular mind as my superpower <laughs> to be able to remember <laughs> stuff. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, I think a like perfect memory would be a super awesome thing to have. That's a superpower. Yeah. I should be the memento of marketing. I'll just have tattoos all over my body about like marketing campaigns, like ABM across one forearm. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Select target accounts and then cross that out and then you can't remember yeah. yeah that would be a great super specific super boring halloween costume <laughs> yeah <laughs> now on, you got the wheels turning now ah. marketing memento yeah well you know it we're gonna make a video <laughs> post it on youtube check it out people it's gonna be all fun uh, all sorts of fun cool all right any um any particular tips uh you've thrown out quite a few here but anything in general for b2b marketers that we uh we haven't covered uh, no, I mean, I think I'm just, I talked a little bit about it. I think it's just start with, start with data. Um, data will inform your target accounts. Uh, you need to know who you're marketing to. So, you know, uh, be sure to know not just which accounts that you want. Also know who's who at, at those accounts. If you can, you know, have the, have the resources to, you know, do an org chart. That's certainly helpful to understand the relationships there. And then, and then once you do that, I mean, you want to just, Come up with the account insights, like what the account is thinking about, you know, like what, what their, their company priorities are, like how their company is doing. Are they, you know, announcing any new products? Uh, and then once you have that, you want to, you know, craft a messaging and, and game plan, you know, to like, once you have these insights to kind of, uh, you know, be helpful to them and also, you know, pitch your solution. Uh, and then you want to deliver that message. And then after that, you want to be able to measure everything so that you can get more budget for ABM. So I think that those are the six steps, like literally on how to do ABM. Uh, and, and I think if, if there's anything you remember from today, um, is, is just those six steps are, are follow that in that order to, to do successful ABM. I love that takeaway. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome, Charlie. Thanks. Well, thanks for joining us here today. We'll, uh, we'll see if we can get you back on another time as well. I think we have a lot, of, a lot to talk about always here with you. So, uh, again, thank you for joining us. If listeners would like to contact you, if you want to let them, Charlie, where should they do that? Careful what I wish for, huh? Um, so on Twitter, right. it's just Charlie, C H A R L I E, the letter C, and then my last name is L I A N G. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. You can find me on LinkedIn. You can find me on the Engageo blog. Um, you know, try to make nice comments, um, please. <laughs> and then, so those are the three sources. Great. Well, you can find his contact info and more show notes on this episode at elephanttest.com, as well as Engageo has an upcoming new marketing orchestration playbook. It gives you plays that marketers can run to get to targeted accounts with real examples that have all been tested by experts at Engageo. You can find that at engageo.com slash orchestra. Thank you so much, Charlie, for being here. You've been a fantastic and just a great resource. And thank you all for listening. Absolutely. Until next time. And just to clarify, it's uh, just engageo.com slash orchestration. Ah, Thank you. This has been really fun. Alicia, Sky, this is Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Charlie. Talk to you later. A quick word from our sponsor. Effective marketing starts with good data. At Mountaintop Data, we are experts at developing and maintaining high-quality marketing lists. With tens of millions of highly accurate records and more data being added daily, we're sure to have the contacts you need to be in front of. Learn more at mountaintopdata.com. Hope you've enjoyed this episode of The Elephant Test. 
check out the show notes at elephanttest.com. Thank you so much for listening from all of us here at The Elephant Test. Until next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.